From Plimpton Street, this is News Talk. I'm Frank Joe. As dean of the Faculty of Arts and Sciences, Claudine Gay largely managed to avoid national media scrutiny, even as several faculty members became the subjects of highly publicized scandals. Now, as the public face of Harvard, that's no longer possible. Today, two of our reporters join us to talk about Harvard President Claudine Gay's first 100 days and the political turmoil and campus division that have marked it. Good morning. This is Miles J. Herzenhorn, and I cover central administration for the Harvard Crimson. Hi, I'm Claire Yet, and I also cover central administration. Thank you so much, Claire and Miles, for joining us. In the past few weeks, tensions have flared on campus after 34 student groups signed on to a statement holding Israel entirely responsible for the ongoing violence in the region. And the administration's response, namely Harvard President Claudine Gay's response, has also come under fire. Could you tell us a little bit about what the administration's response is and why campus has been divided over it? Just over two weeks ago, after the fighting began in Israel, a bunch of student organizations led by the Palestine Solidarity Committee signed on to a statement that held, quote, the Israeli regime entirely responsible for the fighting in Israel. The statement sparked intense backlash on campus, but also online, with political scientists, members of Congress, and even former Harvard President Larry Summers criticizing the students. Over the course of the past year, Claire and I have spoken to every former Harvard president, with the exception of Larry Bacow, who we've only interviewed when he was in office. But those conversations reveal to us that there's at least a tacit understanding among former presidents to not criticize their successor and to avoid telling the incumbent administration what to do. Larry Summers' posts clearly violated that. And were not just surprising to us who cover the university administration, but also shocked current university officials. So the university was under pressure, both from groups on campus, but also prominent figures online and in the public sector to distance the university from the Palestine Solidarity Committee's statement and also to fiercely condemn Hamas and the deadly fighting in Israel. By the end of the day, on October 9th, the university released its first public statement about the fighting in Israel and marked an end to Claudine Gay's first 100 days in office. Could you tell us a little bit about what the university's response was in the days following and just what those positions have been? The first statement released by the university was signed by President Claudine Gay, Harvard Provost Alan Garber, Executive Vice President Meredith Wienick, and all of the deans of Harvard's schools, including the Faculty of Arts and Sciences and the School of Engineering and Applied Sciences. So it was truly a university-wide joint statement. And that first release did not mention the student statement. It did not explicitly condemn Hamas. And it was more of a general statement that just mourned the loss of life and said that the university administrators were heartbroken by the fighting. It was clearly not enough for a campus that was reaching a pressure point as pro-Palestinian students were facing intense backlash both online and soon to be on campus over the statement and students with connections to Israel were feeling deeply hurt by that statement while also mourning the loss of relatives friends and other people that they knew in Israel who were touched by the attack. And in the coming days, the university would release another series of statements that would mark shifts in its response. What were those and how did the position shift? After the first university statement, people on campus and across the nation were really looking at Harvard kind of skeptically, feeling as if the statement, which 
they already claim took too long to come out, then didn't go far enough in condemning Hamas and the violence. So the next day, on Tuesday, Claudine Gay released a solo statement, this time just one sent solely from her, clarifying pretty forcefully that she condemns Hamas, condemns the violence, and it also made an effort to distance the university from the statement from the PSC that had caused so much controversy. But then things sort of took a turn for the worse, when students who were involved in actually drafting the PSC statement or were allegedly tied to student organizations that had signed on to the statement started getting doxxed. There were several websites that began publishing their personal information, names, photos, what organization they were supposedly affiliated with. And then someone also hired these billboard trucks to drive around the streets surrounding campus and just display faces, names in a way that was, you know, made students feel very unsafe. Then people started calling on the university to actually respond to these doxing attacks, to do something to acknowledge that students were being harassed, being threatened, being exposed. So on Wednesday night, we get another message, this time from Meredith Wienick, and it's a pretty general statement just about safety on campus. It doesn't mention the doxing trucks. People, again, not super satisfied with it. People are calling on Claudine Gay to say more. We still have pretty strong calls from either side of this issue. We have CEOs of huge companies calling on Harvard to release the names of the students who had signed on to this statement saying, we don't want to hire them. Then we have others who think that perhaps the calls have gone too far and we should leave the students alone. Thursday night, comes around and Claudine Gay releases yet another solo statement. This time it's a video message. In this video address to affiliates, Claudine Gay basically strongly rejects the idea that the university should in any way punish or publicly expose the students who had signed on to this statement, despite the fact that You know, two days prior, she had released a statement trying to distance the university from exactly what they had said, the contents of their statement. Over the course of the following week, PSC then organized a series of other events essentially reiterating these same demands. And this time, we also saw some counter-protesters showing up at each event. Thank you so much. But responding to the war in Israel and Gaza hasn't been the first or the only challenge of Gay's presidency. Let's talk a little bit about affirmative action, another issue that's marked the earliest days of Gay's presidency. How has the administration decided to handle the Supreme Court effectively striking down affirmative action in higher education? Unlike what's happened in the past couple of weeks on campus, the issue of affirmative action was a challenge that Claudine Gay knew she would face stepping into the presidency. That doesn't necessarily make it any easier. When the Supreme Court struck down affirmative action on June 29th, Claudine Gay was just two days out from assuming her new post at the head of the university. And Harvard has long been looked to as a leader in higher education. And it has also long prided itself on being a campus that values diversity in its actual admissions process. Now the Supreme Court has told Harvard and all of these other universities that they are not allowed to consider race in their admissions practices. Though not a surprise, this decision 
marks a big change in higher education. And many will be looking at Harvard and many of these other peer institutions that release statements immediately following the decision, reaffirming their commitment to diversity on campus to actually keep to that promise. The Supreme Court handed Gay a massive challenge as both the leader of Harvard and the leader of higher education, as many will look to her and her administration for guidance as colleges and universities look to see how they can change their admissions policies in order to comply with the law while still maintaining a diverse student body. As Gay has dealt with the fallout from the Supreme Court's decision, a major point of tension for Harvard has been its use of legacy admissions preferences. The Department of Higher Education over the summer launched an investigation into Harvard over its use of legacy, specifically looking to see if it violates the Civil Rights Act. But Gay herself has said in an interview with the two of us that everything is on the table as Harvard looks to evaluate its admissions policies, and that includes legacy admissions. Thank you so much. A third challenge that's characterized Gay's tenure has been the need to select deans. The university has been caught up in a series of dean searches, and Gay is needed to make a series of decisions for key leadership positions across the university. I'm curious if we could talk a little bit about the deans that she selected, what those choices mean for the university. So let's be very clear. Claudine Gay did not want to be focused on the Supreme Court and politicians trying to tell Harvard what to do about its admissions policies. She did not want to be caught up in having to release three statements about a war happening halfway across the world from Harvard. Those are not her priorities as president. Stepping into the role, what she did want to do was, one, connect with students, faculty, staff across Harvard, and also fill key leadership roles that were vacant at the time of her assuming the presidency. So those are her priorities. And unfortunately for Claudine Gay, time and time again, she has been distracted from some of those things by internal events. But without a doubt, selecting deans is one of the most important things that any university president can do. That includes the Harvard president. And she has since filled all four dean vacancies that she inherited upon her selection as Harvard's 30th president last year. These decisions reflect quite a bit about what Gay is trying to do at Harvard and her vision as she builds out her leadership team. While only two of the four deans were internal candidates, all four were actually, in a sense, internal candidates. And what I mean by that is, obviously, two were internal promotions. Hopi Hoekstra was a professor in Harvard's Faculty of Arts and Sciences, where she taught an intro biology course. The other internal pick was David Parks, who is dean of the School of Engineering and Applied Sciences, and he was also a professor of computer science in the Faculty of Arts and Sciences. So while Parks and Hoekstra were the internal candidates who were selected to be part of Gay's leadership team, the two other deans were also, in a sense, internal candidates, even though they came from other institutions. Gay's selection for the next Divinity School dean was Marla Frederick, who came from Emory University, but before that was a professor at Harvard for 16 years before leaving the university in 2019. Gay's pick for the next dean of the School of Public Health also came from the university, Columbia. Andrea Beccarelli, the Columbia professor, was a professor at the School of Public Health at Harvard, for six years before that. These selections all indicate that Gay is trying to build her leadership team with people who have developed strong relationships with and trust with her faculty. So on top of these four dean appointments that Gay just made and the Harvard Kennedy School dean position that is still open, 
She's also looking at the Harvard Corporation, the university's highest governing board, to fill two vacancies there. One is a current vacancy after David M. Rubenstein left the board. It was sort of immediately down one member. But university treasurer Paul J. Finnegan is also going to be stepping down in June at the conclusion of his term. So these searches are still ongoing. But whoever Gay and the Harvard Corporation settle on will be holding some of the most important seats of power at the university. Still, Gay's feeling like her first few months in office have really heavily featured candidate interviews and meetings with search committees. In an interview with Miles and I earlier this month, she said, I feel like my life at this point is just a collection of searches. Thank you. If we take a step back, looking bird's eye view at Gay's first 100 days, yes, campus has been embroiled by controversy and conflict. What's Gay's presence on campus been? So this is actually where Gay has taken a different approach from her predecessor, former President Larry Bacow. Whereas Bacow sort of immediately took to the road, defending higher education in Washington, going back to his hometown, basically to spread that same message, Gay has focused a lot of her attentions here at home on campus. She has tried to make herself familiar across various corners of the university, in addition to helping freshmen move into Harvard Yard at the beginning of the fall semester, just like Bacow did, Gay has also tried to make herself a presence on other parts of campus as well. She's sat in on a class at the law school, delivered a speech at the Divinity School's convocation, and also hosted this trio of ice cream socials for the college on main campus by Mass Hall, where she works, but also at the business school campus and also in the Longwood area. So despite all of these rising tensions on campus as a result of affirmative action and the war in Israel and Gaza, Gay's focus has really still been doing the work on campus to establish trust with the people that she is now leading. Thank you so much, Claire and Miles, for joining us to talk through University President Claudine Gates' first 100 days in office. Thank you. Thank you, Frank. Less than seven weeks after Harvard Kennedy School Dean Douglas W. Emmendorf announced his decision to step down at the end of the year, the search for his successor has begun in earnest. Today, two of our reporters join us to talk about the ins and outs of the search and where it's at right now. My name is Asher J. Montgomery. I cover the Harvard Kennedy School and the Institute of Politics for the Crimson. Hi, I'm Thomas J. Mette, and I cover the Harvard Kennedy School and Institute of Politics for the Crimson. Thank you so much, Asher and Thomas, for joining us. Could you start by telling us a little bit about why the Harvard Kennedy School Dean is important in the first place? What do they control and what's their role on campus? The Kennedy School has over 23,000 alum. They cover public policy, government, leadership, economics. They grapple with all of these global issues, taking precedent in news today. One professor called the position as dean in the eye of the storm. It's a very front-facing role, and it seems like a lot of times there's all eyes are on the dean of the Kennedy School in terms of making statements or who they're taking on faculty, what that means about Harvard. The Kennedy School, being one of the country's most esteemed public policy institutions, finds itself in an interesting place with a lot of current events happening both in the United States and abroad. So the dean often finds himself trying to balance the political controversies surrounding decisions they make, especially now with the Israel-Hamas war, and balancing 
academia with policy practitioners that teach at the school when they offer their master's-based programs. So what's the process for choosing a leader like that? And where are we in that process now? Yeah, so the, the process is quite long. Harvard Affiliates just received an email from President Gay announcing that commencement of this search and, very importantly, the Search Advisory Committee, which is 15 faculty members from mostly within the Kennedy School, but also a, a couple people from our Faculty of Sciences. There's the Dean of the Business School as well, who comprise this group that will be Claudine Gay's advisors throughout this process. These people will be particularly important in this search because Claudine Gay does not know as much about the Kennedy School as she did with former dean searches. For example, she's from within the FAS admin, so she knew a lot about FAS going into that dean search. Those advisors are going to be in charge of making nominations, encouraging other people to make nominations as well. Both students and faculty can make nominations through a form or an email, and then that will be gathered into a long list of 50 or 60 names. Slowly, over a lot of consideration, that list will be um, shortened by President Gay and Provost Garber. Once they get a smaller list, maybe about a dozen people, that's when conversations start with the advisory committee and with President Gay. The advisory committee will be asked to provide a list of these possible candidates' qualities, their strengths or their weaknesses. It's also important to note the 15 members on her advisory committee are well in tuned with the Kennedy School. There are some opinionated faculty members like Jason Furman. You have senior members from different programs within the Kennedy School. You have Megan O'Sullivan on the committee. And then there are also current leaders of the Kennedy School, two academic deans, David Deming, Erica Chenoweth. So she's relying on insiders in the Kennedy School to make this decision, and we've been talking with faculty members, and they expect, consistent with Claudine Gay's past choices for Dean, her to rely on an internal candidate. So at this point in the search, it's anyone's guess who the final Dean's pick is going to be, but there are some indications in terms of faculty who've mentioned and floated particular names at this stage of the process. Curious who some of those names floated are and what they do in the Kennedy School. We talked to about 22 faculty members, and there's a bit of consensus formed around six potential contenders that would be excellent deans for the Kennedy School. David Deming and Erica Chenoweth, both academic deans who are actually on the search committee right now. So in order to be considered and selected, they would have to step back from those roles. Then there's also former Massachusetts Governor Deval Patrick. He's well-liked within the school, and some people have even said that it could be his job tomorrow, but he's actively telling people he's not interested. And then there's also Archon Fung, who served as interim dean of the Kennedy School when the process to select Dean Elmendorf was taking place. And there's Danielle Allen. She's a university professor that doesn't hold a specific role within the Kennedy School right now, but she was shortlisted to be the university president during the process to select Larry Bacow. And there's also Iris Bonnet, who is a Swiss economist who was said to be an economist top pick for Dean, so they're putting their backings behind her. And she did not reply to comment for the story, so we don't know if she's interested in the role or not. Clearly, a lot of these are well-respected, esteemed members of the Harvard Kennedy School community. Curious if there are initial assessments that are coming out about each one of these in terms of pros and cons of each. 
Yeah, we'll start with Archon Fung. He is a very prominent member of the Kennedy School and was mentioned many times because of his stint as interim dean. There is a consensus that his research is really important to the Kennedy School. He was called brilliant several times by by members of the Harvard faculty. What people have to say about his interim stint, however, is not so good. And it's important to consider people aren't going to be able to make much change as an interim dean. Um, that's not really their role. He was only interim dean very briefly. But what his stint did do is tell a lot of the faculty members that his form of leadership is going to be very similar to Dean Elmendorf's. And that's not something that people want to see. In the sense that the Kennedy School needs to move in a more equitable, in a more relevant direction. And people question if Fung would be able to do that as a next dean. And then there were similar critiques for David Deming, who is the current academic dean. He told us that he is not interested in the deanship position, and he's also serving on the search committee. But it's not, it's not impossible that he could still be considered uh, for this role if he decides to step down from the search committee. Then there's also Erica Chenoweth, who is another academic dean at the Kennedy School, the Academic Dean of Faculty Engagement, which is a recently created role. And Chenoweth is also the faculty dean at FOHO House, also told us that they are not interested in the position of dean and is also serving on the search committee. But the main critique of Chenoweth was that they're very young, they haven't spent as much time at the Kennedy School, but they were uh, applauded heavily for their ability to engage a faculty for the spirit that they bring to the Kennedy School. So probably the most prominent publicly on the list is former Governor Deval Patrick. So he served as Massachusetts governor, and after his stint at the governor's office, he joined the Kennedy School, a part of a de- democratic leadership program. He's well-liked around the school and definitely seen as someone that could very easily become dean. One flaw that a lot of people are seeing is he doesn't have a background in academia. People are saying that can hurt the school's credibility at a time there's already so much concern that they're falling behind Princeton and Georgetown's public policy schools. And then there's also a concern that Deval Patrick may actually not be interested. He ran for president in 2020, so he may have set his ambitions higher than being dean of the Kennedy School. Then there's also Danielle Allen. She's a university professor. She's currently on sabbatical this year. A lot of people think she would bring a fresh perspective to the Kennedy School. However, she lacks the institutional knowledge to take the Kennedy School in a new direction. But an important point, she launched a bid for governor against Maura Healey in the Democrat primary. She did come up short. However, Kennedy School professors have said that it really showcased her view on democracy and her thoughts on what professors can really do in that fight for democracy at a time people think the United States is struggling with that issue. So she would really take them in a new, relevant direction. Then there's Iris Bonet. She's a Swiss economist. She's garnered a lot of praise from economists at the Kennedy School. Senior economists have said that the economics department at the Kennedy School is really going to back her throughout this process. They believe she is the best for the role. But there has been wide consensus from the non-economists that it's time the school maybe chooses someone that comes from a different background. Dean Elmendorf and the prior dean both were economists. It's been 20 years that they've had influence on curriculum and administration. 
So a lot of people believe that Iris Bonet would keep the school where it is in a stagnant position. However, she is the only international on the list. We had a lot of professors talking about a need for an international focus from the Kennedy School. Over Dean Elmendorf's tenure, the amount of international students boosted significantly, and it's now over 52%. While the curriculum at the Kennedy School remains very American-centric in the eyes of a couple of professors and students as well. And so what faculty would like to see in the new dean is an increase in support for international students, but also a shifting in the curriculum in general to be more of globally minded. The incoming Harvard Kennedy School Dean, regardless of the final pick, will have to face a series of challenges that are currently facing the Harvard Kennedy School. Wonder if you could tell us a little bit about some of those challenges and what the dean will have to make decisions on. Something big that we just saw in this last week was the Hamas attack on Israel and how central Harvard actually became in that viewpoint. The president and the dean of the Kennedy School, as well as students, facing a lot of backlash for statements that they made throughout the week. And what that resulted in is the loss of two major donors to the Kennedy School, the step down of Israeli billionaires from the executive board and the Wexner Foundation cutting ties with the Kennedy School. A new dean is going to have to reckon with that, either finding new financial support for the Kennedy School or figuring out a way to keep donors happy, which is big issue for the Kennedy School because there's questions of academic freedom when when it comes to pleasing donors. But you also have the responsibility of upkeeping an expensively run university. The United States is also at an interesting point politically with the fall of Roe v. Wade and affirmative action. So the Kennedy School is also going to have to reckon with those issues. And the Kennedy School has only been led by white American men. So there's a big focus on diversity moving forward. A lot of professors have expressed that given the current woman's rights crisis, as one professor put it, it's time to look at a female candidate for the role. The new dean is also going to have to reckon with the issue of the lack of candid conversation at the Kennedy School. Dean Elmendorf vetoed the Fellowship for Human Rights watch leader Kenneth Roth last spring over his views of Israel. So there's a focus for both faculty and students that the Kennedy School becomes this place of academic freedom as well. So the new dean is going to have to navigate those challenges while also looking at the repercussions they may face from donors over weighing in on Israel as an issue. People have raised that if the search committee is going to go in this process and look for a pro-Israel dean, that's fundamentally wrong. They should look for more of an experienced candidate. And faculty have expressed if this dean is inherently going to side with Israel or with Palestine on the issue. That's not necessarily wrong. It just shouldn't influence them and their decisions as dean. So, you know, the next step is the formation of this long list of names and the meeting with the faculty in general will be today. So we'll see what President Gay decides to do in the coming months. Thank you so much, Asher and Thomas, for joining us to talk through the Harvard Kennedy School Dean Search and where we are now. Thank you so much, Frank. Thank you for having us. News Talk is hosted by Frank S. Joe. This episode of News Talk was produced by Lorenzo Ruiz, Yael S. Goldstein, and Gina H. Cho. Our multimedia chairs are Joey Huang and Julian J. Giordano. Our managing editor is Brandon L. Kingdollar. 
Our president is Kara J. Chang. Music in this episode comes from freesound.org. From 14 Plimpton Street, this is News Talk.